We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now let me welcome you back to a new episode of the DTF podcast, the Doster, CZ Binance, and Fanta podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. We're presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. We're also presented by our guys at Run Your Pool. Make sure you go sign up. The link is in the description below. 1500 free giveaway, $1,500 of free giveaways. How could you say no to that? All you got to do is log in, use an email address, and fill out a bracket on Sunday. Gentlemen. We are seven days away from Selection Sunday. Cryptio still does not have his Twitter account back. Fanta does. I do have my Twitter account back. Up. I do have it back. You're, I just you're still, can't you're still a picture. fake Twitter account. You're still a fake Twitter account is That's what you true. are. You're still Anyway, gentlemen, we got a lot to talk about from this weekend. Fanta is going to take his victory lap. He called it on North Carolina. It looks like they are dead. Uh, it was one of the wilder weekends in college basketball. The SEMO Tennessee Tech game was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. And we're going to go through a full preview of the conference tournaments. Before we do all that, we got to talk about Mark Adams. Uh, a report from stadiums and Field of 68's Jeff Goodman over the weekend. Uh, Mark Adams reference to a player how everybody has a, everyone's a servant and a master, right? When he was uh, quoting scripture. And also may or may not have uh, spit on a player. So there's a lot to get into with this. There's a lot to talk about with this. Uh, Fanta, I'll go to you first on this one since you guys kind of discussed it last night. Where do you stand on Mark Adams? How do you feel about this entire situation? And uh, <laughs> he's suspended for the conference tournament. Texas Tech has it all to play for right now. What, 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 are, we, what are we doing here? Well, there's two separate incidents here, Rob and, and T.O. And happy championship week to you guys. So the first one with the the Bible scripture passage, when you read that and and you read about the master and the servant, there's obviously a natural uh, 
discrepancy and, and it produces about 10 questions that I have about, about this particular passage and what actually happened, but okay. So then you're reading the story and then you see that he allegedly uh, may have spit on a player. If that happened, if Mark Adams spit on a player, he should not coach again. If he, if he in fact did that, you cannot spit on people. Yeah, for the record, what I what I guess happened is not like he, he I don't think he went like that, right? I think what happened is um in the process of talking and yelling during a game, uh he said a P, said a T, something happened where he spit when he was talking. And instead of being like, Oh shit, my bad, I like that was that was my mistake as someone is wiping something off of their face, which is I probably happened to a lot of us before, right? Um, he said, I can spit the, what was alleged is that he said, I can spit on you when I want, which is just, that's where the issue is. That's the issue, right? You cannot, can't say that. Come on, Mark. You can't be an asshole. Don't say that. Um, as far as the scripture thing is concerned, like I'll tell you this Fanta and you guys tell me what you think about it. I, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not here. I'm not out here quoting the Bible. Right. But if you're saying something as an old white man, in a position of power with a bunch of young black men, right? And you refer to someone's got to be a master and someone's got to be a servant. Well, however, whatever the quote actually is, I don't know what it actually is. Um, that works if you have a good relationship with your players, right? It doesn't work if you don't have a good relationship. And it's not something that you can say if there is some kind of uh, tension in there. And I think the one thing that we've learned about Texas Tech this year, right? There's tension within that locker room. It's also just the nature of response. He was unapologetic. He said that he didn't apologize to his players. When you're unapologetic, it, you do something that, that's questionable, and then you're not willing to, to step across and, and say, you know what, I'm sorry if it came off that way. Here's what I really meant. It would have been better that way. It would have been better that way. Instead, he said, well, I talked to them about it, but I didn't apologize for it. Mark, come on. That that was my takeaway from from the article was the the quotes about stuff and you know Adam saying I don't recall ever saying that that I could spit on you whenever I want so now it's a he said she said game and the university's taking it up the fact is Texas Tech doesn't want these headaches their their administration's not going to want these headaches and is Mark Adams really worth keeping around with these types of headaches and with these types of things. And if any of these things, you know, came close to, if he said, I could spit on you whenever I want, or I, I could do like, that was my takeaway from this was the incidents themselves are subjected to debate. Where, where I have a problem to you is the whole tone of his messaging of, I didn't apologize to them or, you know, I don't recall saying that, that to me comes off as I'm on this pedestal and and the players are here and you know i th this is my word and i'm right on this i i just i thought that all the discourse from adams himself was not a good look for the head coach at texas tech additionally i want to preface what i'm about to say with the fact that i grew up my, my grandfather was a southern baptist minister my uncle's a deacon at his southern baptist church um I don't share a lot of beliefs with, with, with certain things, but what, what I do find that really irritates me is, guys, we're, we're privy to a lot of information that we're obviously not going to make public. But when a 
person uses the scripture as a crutch, it really irritates me. That's what's happening here. This is not a person who is living a certain way that can just go on and recite scripture and use it as a crutch and then not have to have the ability to backtrack. This is a person who's had his fair share of things happen. So that irritates me. Secondly, the, the, I don't think the people of Texas tech are all that happy with Mark Adams anyway. I think that's a big portion of it. Um, and by the way, man, like I, he, he had me fooled up until the final four last year. He had me fooled. This guy is, is a different bird. And what I will say about the whole spitting thing, guys, I've been sped on by coaches, but it's never been to a point to where it's like, and just spit on a guy. It's guys get emotional. Mm-hmm. They're, they're juicy mouthed is what uh, Jamie Foxx used to say. When you get a little extra spit on your lip and you're just sitting there, look at it and it just flies out and it just happens to get on you. That shit happens. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I, I, you can't go back and be like, I can spit on you if I want. Are you kidding me? There's, there's that, gotta be a level like, of respect like that to me. That's, that's the, that's the biggest problem here is it's very, like if you're saying that to a player, then I don't think that I think it's to me, it's pretty clear that you don't respect that player. If you can say I can spit on you when I want. Right. And also for the record, when you say, I don't recall saying that you recall saying that you recall saying that exactly. And that was the other thing when he, when he said, I'm not apologizing. It's like, when you well, do- he's not apologize. He's not apologizing because he's using. He, he's saying that he's using scripture, so he's not going to apologize for scripture. But the problem is, is if you don't have that relationship and you don't really mm-hmm. know that player that you're talking to, if they share the same religious beliefs as you do, you can't just pull that out of nowhere and just use scripture to a kid that may be atheist or yep. a kid that may have grown up in a situation where. I, I don't know. Like maybe he's of especially Muslim when there's faith. maybe he's when, a, when there's the dynamic. Like yeah, especially that, when you but. have the dynamic of like a an old white coach, a young black player that maybe doesn't understand like what he's trying to say when he says master and a servant. Because if you've never read the Bible and you don't know what it says in there, and yeah, you just hey, hear Mark. The, yeah, yeah, hey, hey Mark, put your Bible away. All right, throw it out the window. You 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 potentially spin on a player, and then you said that you don't remember saying that. Nice, real nice there. We're way, have, to the, way to use the Bible. Happy Lent, Mark. Don't please, Fanta, don't, don't throw your Bible out the window. Yeah, don't but, throw your but, Bible out the window, like, please, Fanta. We get what you're saying. Maybe he, maybe he should, maybe he should read the Bible a little bit more and how he should approach people. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is, uh, this is a guy that I, I would be shocked to see him coaching all that much longer at Texas. Mark, Mark's the guy who goes to church every Sunday and then lets everybody know about it. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's enough on that. I, uh, I, I echo your sentiment, To and I don't know how much longer he'll end up um, being there. There's uh, the thing. What bothers me more, the most about coaches, um, is when they treat players poorly. Right? Like I just, I can't. That really bothers me. Just be. You, but, but you don't have he, to be like. You don't have to be a, the kind of coach like that. Just how about, how about Mark Adams? Just be around. How about he be around his players a little bit more? Yeah, but, but saying too much. How about Mark Adams like, just be but, around? But like, here's the thing: the Bible passes to me. That's not cause to get fired. That that whole thing's not cause to get fired. Okay. The Bible thing to me is not very important. Like, I, I sorry to sorry if I sound like I'm being insensitive, but like Greg McDermott made racially 
uh, insensitive comments to his players uh, about a plantation. And Greg McDermott's coaching crate. Okay, he, he's, he's still coaching there. He apologized. Um, he said he was sorry. He, he got suspended. Life moved on. The, the the Bible thing, That's that wasn't my main takeaway. My eyes got huge when I read spit on a player and then said he doesn't remember saying those things. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. And, and here's the other thing, Rob. If it was just a P or a T, and I'm with you on that, all that, like if it was just something that simple, where are Mark Adams' players right now on social media giving him some support? I have well, that's, seen that's the that. thing. Like it's I've it's, seen none of that. This it goes to a, a bigger issue of of a level of respect. Like if you if he had that relationship with his players where they they were going to run through a wall for him, right? This is why you never see, like how often do you see players get on social media or go to the media or go to the press about Frank Martin or about Bob Huggins or about like Dan Hurley, about guys that will coach you as hard as you can possibly be coached. Those guys aren't afraid to cuss you out, right? Frank Martin is going to push you as hard as anybody can push you to be the better, the best human being you can be, right? But he, he can do that because he's able to show these guys that he truly does love them and care about them and want them to be better. And as soon as you get out of that practice gym, then it's like you have a relationship with a mentor. He's going to do everything that he can to help you, right? Same thing with Bob Huggins. Same thing with a lot of these guys. Brad Underwood, I think, is probably another guy that falls into that category. There's lots of guys that will coach you really, really hard, that will prove the way that they like, prove how much they care about you outside of just the basketball gym, which is why they can get on you as hard as they get on you in the basketball gym. And I don't think that that's happening with with Texas Tech and Mark Adams in this situation. And and honestly, like he's a guy that came up as a JUCO coach in West Texas. Like that might just be what he knows. And that's not to that's not to sit here and like justify it or defend him. But I don't I don't think that that works in 2023. And I don't think that it works when you're coaching a Big 12 caliber team. And frankly, we'll talk about this in a little bit. With him not there, you have a roster with top 25 talent there. Just keep an eye on them. In Kansas City this weekend. All right, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about North Carolina. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step back. All right, T.O., I think you Even and I, I so. Even we, can, I, so. we can we can take a break here. All right, we're clearing out. Calling one four high. We're going, we're going with a Caleb Love special here. Isolation. <laughs> John Fanta. John Fanta. We're down by two. There's 30 seconds left on the clock. Go get us one. Well, if you were giving the ball to Caleb Love, <laughs> I'm not sure about that sh- shot. Uh, however, I'm going to bury a three for the win. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. North Carolina was not deserving of an NCAA tournament spot three weeks ago. And North Carolina is not deserving of an NCAA tournament spot today. Right. They will have to do what the mid-majors have to do. And that is win their conference tournament to hear their name called. And the reason why is because they had this four-game stretch, right? And people were saying, well, they they may have to win one of two against Virginia or Duke. And then, obviously, you win the other games. Well, the other games. Let's start with the other games. So the other games were against Florida State and Notre Dame. Florida State, who has a net ranking of 219. 
Notre Dame, who has a net ranking of 185. I have never seen people saying about other mid-tier teams that aren't big brands, oh, well, they've got to win. If they win those games, you know, they're push. They're making the push towards the tournament. Those wins are meaningless. Those wins do no good for your resume. And that that's that's the problem. The ACC isn't as bad as what people are saying, in my opinion. The ACC has had some especially bad teams this year at the bottom yes. of it. Agreed. Okay, so they, they beat those two teams. They beat Virginia. Virginia, who was, who was reeling at the time. Good win. Good win. It all came down to Saturday night. A good Duke team. A Duke team that I think could make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. It's gotten better. That's now won six in a row. And a great rivalry provides revenge opportunities. And on Saturday night, John Shires and my friendship became even stronger. <laughs> he ended this whole charade. And that's all it was. A charade. The charade is over. The party never started. For Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels to come to my party and RSVP, they would have had to get an invitation to begin with. They were not on my mailing list. And they showed it on Saturday. At home, against their arch rival, now's your time. And Kyle Filipowski had the killer instinct. And Duke defended their tails off. This team, this North Carolina team, is one of the all-time most disappointing teams in the history of college basketball. They are not an NCAA tournament team. They thought that they could get away with their name alone and that they would somehow figure it out. It's March the 6th now. They never figured it out. Their team is disconnected. Their team doesn't realize who their best players are. Their team had a freshman class that came in. We don't even know how good that freshman class is because the head coach didn't give many opportunities to that class. In no way, shape, or form has North Carolina gotten significantly better. They've stood pat, and by being complacent, they will not hear their names called on Selection Sunday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Unless they go on a miracle run and win the ACC tournament. <laughs> That's another tease for what I got later on in the show. <laughs> yeah. Tio, Tio, I want to ask you something about this. All right. So Gooden and I kind of had an argument about this on Saturday night on our Saturday night this. episode yeah. of After Dark. Um, he thinks this is all on Hubert Davis, right? <laughs> he he basically thinks that this is Hubert Davis not being able to, to coach. And I think that there's a level of blame that needs to fall on Hubert Davis's shoulders. At the end of the day, you're the coach. It's on you. I also think that you have to have some level of ownership and accountability when it comes to the team, right? I don't think Armando Baycott has done what he needs to do to be a leader with this group. I think Caleb Love shoulders a lot of that blame, right? There's there's a reason why uh, every rumor in the country says, yeah, I don't know if Caleb Love is a leader. I think that people in that locker room don't like him, right? Who knows if that's true, but that's kind of where sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire, right? Mm. Um, I think RJ Davis probably needs to be a little bit more vocal. He's the best point guard on that team. Sometimes you need to step up and say, give me the damn ball, right? So, uh, and I would make the argument that when North Carolina turned things around last year, it was because Brady Manick finally stepped in and took some ownership of that team. And the guy with the big old beard intimidated people enough to say, like, come on, what the hell are we doing? Get in line. So, where do you fall on this? Does this fall on the players? Does this fall on the coaches? Because Fanda's right. The last time a preseason number one team did not make the NCAA tournament was all the way back in 1975 before the tournament expanded to 64 teams. It's never happened in the 64 team era. Never. The lowest seed a preseason number one team has ever gotten. Do you guys know? I told you this. What Kentucky yeah. was a number eight seed in and 2014. And, and they, they made, made it. it to the title game. And then UConn in 2000 was a number five seed. Those are the only two times where they didn't, where the preseason number one team did not get a top four seed on selection Sunday. North Carolina might miss the tournament. Yeah. I mean, Rob, me and you had this argument earlier in the year, and then I got a call from a pundit. <laughs> it is on guys, it is on Hubert. And here's the thing: co- the, the coach, like you can you can implore your players to stand up and say something, but if the players are just like, well, it doesn't matter what I say anyway, he's not going to be benched for whatever, then it's 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 all a moot point. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like if the players don't feel like the coach has their back, like what's going to happen? And I, this was Guys, it's been – I feel like we're just beating a dead horse at this point. Like, we've been saying – like, I've always been under the impression that we are playing hard is a prerequisite to playing time, and that just hasn't been the case this year. Mm-hmm. Even with your best players, if you – accountability is huge. Like, I read something, Jill Barry clapped back at what Jeff said. Like, here's the, here's the difference there is Roy had his players back whenever they saw something. He'd be willing to sit somebody. For an extended amount of time, if they if they deserved it, like he doesn't have that right now. He doesn't have that. Caleb Love, I, I'm curious to see how Hubert does after these this this bunch of guys moves forward, like goes on somewhere else, uh, because he's recruiting at a high level. He's recruiting a certain kind of. I, I'm really curious to see how that's going to go. But it, guys, it, it is on the coaching staff. It, it, you can say, "Oh, the players need to do this. Players need to do that. There needs to be ownership." It doesn't matter if the coach isn't isn't taking control of what's happening on the floor 
And there, it's a very obvious thing. I don't know what it was this year that held him back from just saying, hey, we're not winning games anyway. I might as well lose with dudes that are playing hard. Like, I don't care the reason. You know what held him back? Playing. You know what held him back? Last year. There was yeah. no, like, what happened at the start of this season and what happened at the start of last season with North Carolina is not really all that different. Honestly, they played better at the start of this year than they did at the start of last year. They got yeah. embarrassed at the start of last season, right? Embarrassed. They were losing by 20. They weren't even trying. At least, like, this year, it was, uh, it, like, they were losing hard-fought games. And, like, okay, you lose to Iowa State. Iowa State's not that bad. It's hard to get ready for that no-middle defense. You know, you lose a uh, a 27-overtime game by one point to Alabama. Well, you know what? Alabama's pretty damn good, right? So, like, yep. I don't – I think that that's probably what it is. But then it just kind of kept building and kept compounding and kept snowballing. And now it's just you're, like you're not winning close games. Yep. No, it's margin for error, you know, and, and in this sport, it's thin. And at this time of year, it's thin. But there are combined seven and 12, seven and 12 against the top two quadrants. Six of the seven wins have come in Q2. So it's nothing personal. They're just not a tournament team. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's reasons for that. But it's not like we're looking at Carolina and then – intentionally wanting to 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 hate because there's some people out there who think that they weren't tournament team three, four weeks ago. They needed to win all four games. They didn't. And credit to Duke, by the way. I mean, the other yeah. – How about the job that John Shire has done? He's done a really nice job. And I think just because – I think T.O., because Duke doesn't have a number next to their name, that the that the casual fan is like, well, yeah, they're solid. They're decent. They're okay. They're just not as good as normal. That team's dangerous. Forget about the rankings. That team on their best day could be in the Elite Eight, and it would not surprise me. They are one uh, bad, one wrong call yeah, at Virginia really. and one kind of like questionable call at Virginia Tech away from having won, uh, what would the math be on this one, 12 of their last 13 games, yeah. right? And so here, I said this the other day on After Dark too. I think that they should hang the banner in uh, in Cameron Indoor Stadium. How poetic is this Is this rivalry, though? Like, last year, they send Coach K home with the loss in the Final Four. <laughs> and then even before that, like, at Cameron Indoor, they ended his last one. North Carolina beats him at Cameron. And then this year, like, Duke and Shire were just like, hey, man, like, that was all a fluke. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to send your butt home, have you guys playing in the NIT. There's nothing wrong with the NIT for a lot of teams. But for North Carolina, that's obviously not the standard. But it – you want to make we're going to compare apples to apples right now duke and carolina so what's the biggest difference of the season for me duke adjusted throughout the course of the season north carolina never did they just settled in on what they'd been doing all season long that's just what happened never changed lineups i thought they found a lineup whenever they were playing uh seth trimble a little bit and then they were like well they got to pass first guy in there to play with those other two guys that don't want to pass to anybody like they fix it Guys get healthy, they go right back to the same freaking thing. Yep. Like it was, it was, it was crazy to see the big thing for Duke this year. Tyrese Proctor started out the season at the two. Jeremy Roach was at the one. Well, would they would they find out? Well, it, Jeremy Roach is much more geared to put his head down and get to the cup for himself first, and then he's a passer. So what they do, they moved him off the ball, let Proctor bring the ball up, and then they started to get healthy, and then they defended all season long. That's one thing. I mean, like yeah. Duke, Duke's defense propped them up while they were figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge thing. And they were willing to be like, okay, so this isn't working. 
what can I do to figure it out to where I can find something that works? And in, a, in an era with all this, with this extra year of eligibility, there's a lot more freshmen that aren't going to make the same impact that they made five years ago because they're playing against 23 and 24 year olds. It's going to take a little bit longer for Duke to hit their pinnacle. And, but you have to continue to figure it out. Duke did. North Carolina didn't. It's a reason Duke's dancing. Carolina's not. Yes. And in a world where a lot of coaches are stubborn or don't want to change their ways, John Shire's done it in his first year as yeah. leader of this program. He made in-season adjustments. Yep. North Carolina has not done that. And here's the thing, too. I, I compared this. Was it on this show last week where I was like, it's like when your kid plays? Like you see, you see the pinnacle of how your kid can play. So you play him 30 minutes out of 36 minutes or whatever it is in high school. Like you play him all these minutes because you know, like, hey, when he's really good, he's really, really freaking good. But you just kind of keep forcing him out there. And he's just not that good in the game. He's just not that good. And it's like, well, I've seen what he can do. So I don't want to lose out the possibility of that guy just turning a game on its head like we've seen Caleb Love do. It just didn't happen this year. So it's like, but he just kept forcing it and forcing it and forcing it. Eventually, guys like square peg, square peg, round hole, it doesn't work. And hmm. Duke Duke fi- figured it out. Hubert never did. Yep. I think it also it also helps that um, people were able to like were willing to make sacrifices on this Duke team. Uh-huh. Like Jer- Jeremy Roach is not like. Have you heard him complaining at all about? Look, man, I, I'm trying to get to the league, right? Like, I can't. Be, I'm not going to be an off guard in the NBA. I'm not going to be a two guard. I got to be a point guard. I got to have the ball in my hands to be able to make these plays. Like, if I'm going to get these accolades, if I'm going to get drafted, I got to do this, that, and the third. No, he in was fairness, like, we haven't heard Carolina guys say that. In fairness, we they just they're okay, just yeah, stuck right. in one. You're right. In fairness, just, we haven't heard them say that, but it's it feels like that's what they're thinking. Yeah, we it's okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Well, right. the other thing is is that Shire wasn't playing some of the top freshmen in key situations here and there throughout the season, and they never let that get to them either. So there's been a really good element with Duke of just – I'm not trying to put Duke versus North Carolina here. Yeah, that's I a great am. point, too. Like, Derek Lively came off the – he didn't play until, like, February. He also and then had, he's come he in, had. he's been the difference maker defensively, right? Exactly. Derek Whitehead and, – and that's the thing about Duke. Like, they still haven't hit their ceiling because Derek Whitehead is still kind of in that, like, trying to figure it out and get a healthy phase so i i'm i'm in on this duke team proctor you know I, watching him the last like probably four weeks that kid should, should be should be a senior in high school yeah he's like, so good like, he's like you, so good like at the start of the year I, I remember i was talking with a couple nba scouts and, and and uh randolph too and they were like yeah this proctor's good man like he's a stud he's gonna end up being a difference maker like he's a pro he's gonna end up being a first round like and then you watch him in, in those first couple games and you're like what are you the fuck are you looking at like what what do you see that i'm not seeing right now well the last four weeks it's just he's got a uh there's like a pace about him right like he well, could just kind of come off those screens understand like everything he's he's controlling everything Right, he's controlling the ball. He's controlling the help defender. He's controlling the defender on him. He's reading everything that's happening in front of him. Like he doesn't have to play fast. He just kind of knows what he's doing. Can get to a spot. Can make a shot. Can make a pass. Like he's he's a very very intelligent player. I enjoy watching him play. And you very never good. want to say this candidly because you never want to hurt the player. And and that's not what I mean. But the Jeremy Roach toe injury actually got Proctor to handle the point guard duties. And then that all that's what T.O. goes back to here is that. Hey, sometimes it's figured out by Procty, Proctor, right? Go ahead. Sorry. Figured proxy, out. Proxy. It, it, proxy. Figured out by injuries. Like, yeah. for instance, Xavier. 
has figured out that they're a better defensive team in the last month with Zach Fremantle out. Now, he's out for the year. That's obviously huge news that's broken in the last 24 hours. It's very unfortunate for the kid. It's unfortunate for them because they're not very deep. But sometimes you find things out about yourselves when you have to force other players into the game. Injuries suck, man. Injuries suck. I, I, I do suck. It, Kentucky. It's, just, it's so devastating seeing. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. It's so like seeing Jalen Clark go down. And we don't know the severity of the injury. If Mick Cronin is smart, he's not going to say a damn word about the severity of that injury. We all saw it happen. I saw the the clip. It it does not look like something that's that's uh, that's going to end up very positively. Zakai Ziegler tearing his ACL. That fucking sucks, right? Zach Fremantle missing out on the rest of the year, which is not honestly unexpected based on the way that things have kind of gone. Um, Xavier Johnson announcing that he's done for the like it just it sucks seeing these kids work for so much and then having that taken away from them this late in the year, especially Jalen Clark. Like that dude went from off the radar to being like a potential national defensive player of the year on a team that could win a national title. It it just yep. sucks. And I I hate Kentucky that. figured it out their injury. Hey guys, just a reminder, our sponsor for today's episode is Run Your Pool. They are hosting the Field of 68 bracket challenge. This year they are giving away fifteen hundred dollars in free prizes. It's all an incentive for you to get on there and find out just how good their platform is. I've been using them for my bracket pools for years. I've used them for Super Bowl squares. I use them for everything that I need to use them for. The biggest survivor pool that I'm for both NFL and NCAA tournament is by Run Your Pool. So go check them out. The link's below. Tap it. Kentucky, by the way, so you know what? Let's get in. That's a perfect segue, T.O. Let's get into this weekend's games because I want to spend about 10 minutes. Just the insanity of this weekend was almost too much for my brain to comprehend. And I think a lot of it was you had highly ranked teams that were playing games that were completely meaningless against teams that needed to get those wins to get in the tournament. For example, uh, Iowa State beating Baylor. For example, West Virginia beating Kansas State. For example, Auburn beating Tennessee. Uh, Seton Hall smacked Providence. Shout out to John Fanta on that one. Alabama Mm -hmm. lost to Texas A&M. Oklahoma smacked TCU. Uh, Then we had Miami beating Pitt for the ACC regular season title. We had uh, UCLA and Arizona, which was an awesome game. We had Texas and Kansas, where Texas smacked around Kansas. Purdue blew a 24-point lead and won. Uh, Kentucky, Arkansas was fucking insane. It was It was a disgusting, horribly played, uh, uh, endlessly entertaining uh, two and a half hours of college basketball to watch. Houston needed a buzzer beater to beat Memphis on the road. Michigan um, went to overtime again and lost again. Uh, the Southeast Missouri State and Tennessee Tech title game was one of the most insane final 20 seconds I've ever seen in a college basketball game. Kennesaw State went from one win in uh, in uh, Abdul Rahim's first season to, uh, to now being the automatic bid out of the Atlantic Sun. Fairly Dickinson last year won four games. Hire a guy from the Division II ranks in Tobin Anderson. He comes in. He's starting a backcourt with two guys that are five foot nine, and they win the Northeast Conference automatic bid. They haven't won the tournament title yet. Merrimack isn't eligible for the tournament. Horrible rule. All right, that was a lot. To I want what was what was the one thing that stood out to you from this weekend? The biggest takeaway that you had, the thing that you think you've learned from the last uh, forty eight hours of college basketball. Oh, guys, I'm going to be honest. I, I focused in on some of the smaller conference tournament because I thought they were a lot more fun than watching mm-hmm. these last few um, last few games in the Big Ten or last few games in the Big 12. I, I thought um, one of the guys we're not talking about enough as a potential uh, jump seat guy 
uh, Amir Abdul Rahim at Kennesaw State, like mm-hmm. going from one in 24 his first year, one in 24. You yeah. know how miserable you are at one in 24 as a staff. And I know there's roster turnover, you got to figure things out on the fly, but one in 24 to wow. now going dancing out of the A Sun. And he has a bunch of hard playing guys. And, and I, I've heard some job openings come that are going to be coming available here in the last few days. Over the next week or so, there's going to be some noise, and his name is going to be in the mix for every one of those. Hey, T.O., are you going to tell us which jobs are coming open? Are you going to break that? No, news? I am not. <laughs> no, I am not. That is yeah. not me. Have you I told the story once. of, of, of when you became a newsbreaker, when you became Woj for like for for like 20 <laughs> minutes? Can you like tell that story? 20 minutes and got in so much trouble. No, so like I was I was on I was doing radio for Clemson. And I got word that Radakovich was leaving Clemson to go to Miami. And it was true. So my dumbass on a university-sponsored trip tweets out that Radakovich is gone. He's out of here. Now I don't break news anymore because of it. And yeah. if I hear something, you I pass it on. You tweeted like, you can you just – because so the tweet for people that don't know, it wasn't like sources say Dan Radakovich is out. You're like, oh, wow, Dan Radakovich is leaving Clemson. And, and, and everyone is like, wait, former Clemson player, current Clemson radio guy, like he knows people. Like, what? What is happening here? That was, was uh, – yeah, I remember that. I did one of those accidentally. It was at, uh, it was at Peach Jam um, 2021. And it was the year that Corey Floyd was playing for uh, for team final. And I'm just sitting yeah. there. I'm talking to all the recruiting guys. And I'm talking to um, assistants from every single program and coaches from every single program. As you do at Peach Jam, you just talk to people, yeah. get information. And everyone's like, yeah, Corey Floyd, he's, he's uh, committed to UConn. But, you know, he's going to reclassify. He's going to school this year. He's he's enrolling early. He's, he's going to end up redshirting when he gets there. Um, and I did not realize that this was that was not information for public consumption. I also did not realize that Corey Floyd wasn't necessarily aware that he wasn't going to be uh, playing. So it was, it was uh, when I put that out there, it was kind of like everyone was like, Rob, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, oh, my bad. Yep. I mean, <laughs> what, what can, what do you want me to do? Like it's out there now. Cat's out of the bag. I fucked up. Yeah. My bad. My fault. Yeah. It's, it was not good. It was yeah. not good. And then it, eventually, obviously he does go but I have to live through hell for like the next three days until he <laughs> decides it's time to announce. So yep. there you go. Fanta biggest takeaway from the weekend. Yeah. Not North Carolina. You can't say North Carolina. You've dunked on North Carolina enough. You took, you literally opened up the North Carolina bag, took a dump in it and handed it to uh, Caleb Love. That's what you did. <laughs> I'll give the reader's digest. Uh, three that I took away from the weekend. Number one is Cameron Winter saving Penn State season. Penn State beating Maryland to preserve their hopes at the NCAA tournament. And the, the Nittany Lions have been hanging right around that bubble conversation. They're going to face Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. That's a fascinating game in the Big Ten tournament. Really interesting opener for those two teams. So I, I give Micah Shrewsbury – a world of credit. I just think that that the job that he's done in a very short period of time could set him up for another job. Um, and they 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 play such a unique style. But for Winter to say that they, that finish was wild. Maryland was set up for a rebound. Mm-hmm. It went off of two Maryland kids into the hands of Penn State. I think the other takeaway is Maryland wishes that the entire Big Ten tournament was in College Park. 
Uh, they just have not been a, a team that can get it done away from the Xfinity Center. Two, Drake's going to win an NCAA tournament game. I'm calling it right now. That team's old. They're grown men. I don't even care who the opponent is. I am picking them in my bracket. I know they'll be a trendy pick, but they were really impressive in shutting down Bradley in Arch Madness in the, in the NBC final. A lot of times we talk about chaos with these these mid-major championship games. You know, Drake's just, they, they played hard. They're balanced. Tucker DeVries is big time. Coach's son. How much do we love these stories in March? So I, I love Drake. Then my last one is one that Rob will enjoy. The Connecticut Huskies are back to playing like a team that could, could make the Final Four. They are. That's it? Just the Final Four? Doster is going to be just, insufferable. Just the Final Four? <laughs> hey, once you get started, anything happens. They, they showed me something. Saturday night, they go into Wells Fargo. Villanova's got it cooking. Wildcats are starting to get closer and closer to just to the conversation of everything. And UConn went in there and played their game, imposed their will. Jordan Hawkins goes for 24 points. Alex Caravan's my Big East freshman of the year. He puts up 16. Connecticut is now playing through Hawkins. And they're realizing, like, just let him go. He's got an unlimited green light. The, the light is neon green. And, guys, he is firing and hitting. Connecticut is dangerous. Yeah, he's got – his release is uh it's insane how quick it is. Like he hey, just better odds, better odds. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Connecticut makes the final four. I get my Twitter handle back before the final four. The Latin Connecticut, the Connecticut making the final four. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Because I don't know what's wrong. I can't figure out your Twitter, but here's what I was saying. On Saturday, it was watching it all play out. What? What? Providence just lost by 24 to Seton Hall. Seton Hall team that's not an NCAA tournament team that was with, that's been without Kadari Richmond. They just blow the doors off of them. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the doors opening, the doors opening, and the most one of the most unlikely scenarios is now happening for the first time since 1998. Connecticut will play Providence in the Big East tournament Thursday, 2:30 Eastern time. If you're not at the garden, you're really missing out, man. I I just I'm I am so concerned for um the the four block radius around Madison Square Garden because starting at about noon, you're gonna have all the UConn fans showing up and all the Providence fans showing up, and you know not one of them gives a damn about going to see Marquette play. I don't even know who in the first round in, in, in the twelve o'clock game, right? So they are going to spend. Solid two, three, four hours morning drinking. I'm not just talking about day drinking. I'm talking morning drinking. They're going wow. to be morning drunk starting Beer at like 10 a.m. Do you know how many? You know how many UConn fans are going to hop on the Metro North and they're going to have their two Bud Light tall boys in there and they're going to be sitting there. They got the little shooters of the fireball in there to just take those down, right? To get into New York, to go to Stout, to go to some places around the, the, the garden, to be able to go to Legends and sit there and hammer a couple more beers, get into the uh, to Madison Square Garden at 2.30 to watch this game, to go absolutely nuts during this game. And then afterwards, you're either going to have, there's going to be one set of those fans that are just celebrating like crazy and another set of those fans that are just absolutely uh, devastated and down in the dumps. And no matter what happens, 
You know what they're going to be doing? A little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. It's going to be an absolute madhouse from about noon until about 7 o'clock. Anywhere around Madison Square Garden, I cannot wait. It's going to be unbelievable. That right there, I don't know if I've been more excited about the atmosphere of a game anywhere in college basketball than UConn-Providence at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Thursday at Madison Square Garden. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Fanta, real quick, uh, I want I want one minute on this. Yeah. What has happened to Providence, and how has this team gone from looking like a legitimate Big, uh, Big East title contender to, like, getting 20-piece at home on back-to-back games? They're not defending. They're not defending – They've been soft in that department. Their their ball screen coverage has not been good. They switch everything, guys, and now it's getting exploited. I mean, it, it's really hard to switch everything when you got a couple of defensive pieces right now that just are not active. And the, at the end of the day, this team coming into this season was going to be pretty reliant on Jared Bynum to hit their ceiling, and Bynum just hasn't had the year. Now, he was hurt for some time. But even when he's been on the floor, it just hasn't all come together. And what teams are now doing is, and, and I'll be curious to to get T.O.'s perspective on this, but T.O., I really noticed it this past week at the, at the Providence Xavier game. Sean Miller took Providence's best defender, Devin Carter, and then made him actually work the hardest. He went at him with different things, different coverages, different – sets that made Carter get off guard. And then when it was time for Carter to rely on somebody to switch away from the ball, Providence was not in sync on the defensive end of the floor. Mm. They're just not that cool a team right now. Um, they're, they're a team that I think there's some guys that, that, that are, are not buying into the, the whole process. Bryce Hopkins, as good as he's been at times, What's happened here down the stretch is every, now you're adjusting to life as the guy. And at the end of the day, he didn't play much last year at Kentucky. He was a non-factor. And now he's at the top of every single scouting report, and teams are developing a formula. They're saying, you know what, Bryce? Take the shot. Go ahead, pull up. And that shot's not falling. He really struggled against Seton Hall on Saturday. So the team right you know, now it, is you not know what it seems like to me? It seems like they've kind of, I don't want to say checked out, but it just it did not seem like they were um I've never seen a team coached by Ed Cooley, at least in the recent years when they've gotten really good, quit the way that they quit at UConn. That stood out to me. Like down the stretch of that game, like they guys weren't getting back on defense. Down the stretch of that game, like they were just kind of out there going through the motions. Against Seton Hall, they were very much just out there going through the motions. And that stood out to me more than anything else. Like the one thing you can normally count on from a team coached by Ed Cooley is that they're going to play hard. And, and that was a concern to me. All right. I want to get to this conference tournament thing before we get, uh, before you move on. I let you guys get on with your day. So um, I have six, six questions I want answered. I want you guys to each answer them. I'm going to have an answer to you guys get one minute. Okay. Ooh. One minute. That's it's never going to stick. It's never going to work. And we're going to end up going for another like 45 minutes on the spot. But please, one minute, one minute takes only. Um, which big conference, big six conference tournament are you most excited to see? T.O., we're going to you first on this one. Oh, man. Uh, b- 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 big 12 has got to be up there. Uh, I mean, 
just because of how much talent there is. And every game's been a grinder all season. So is Kansas going to be able to do it again? I think that's a, a huge thing. Uh, I don't have all the brackets in front of me right now, but just looking at that uh, league, it could literally be anybody. And in the game is not played at Fog Allen Fieldhouse Championship game, but it might as well be sometimes. But at the same time, like a lot of different, a lot of different teams in that league could certainly get on a run. And think about a team like Iowa State who defends at a high level, if they just have a couple guys get hot for a few games in a row, that's what that's the beauty of this portion of the season. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's just so many different guys that so many different, they're all good. I don't think there's any hiding that, but uh, I am interested to see uh, how that league shakes out. Panther. Yeah. I'm actually intrigued to see what happens in the sec tournament uh, because of the fact that Kentucky has played better here down the stretch and I think that that if they can get on a run uh that that it would be really interesting to see to see Cal lead them there uh what version of Tennessee are we even going to see fellas like uh, it, and and the the Ziegler injury is just brutal brutal for Tennessee it's brutal for the Vols it's brutal for everybody involved there you know the door's now open here for Buzz Williams and Texas A&M to win this thing I just think Wade Taylor is is an absolute beast he's good beast. He's been unbelievable. You called that one, T.O. I'll give you credit on that one. You called that I one. Did. He's been fantastic. Um, does Auburn, who we've harped on throughout the season, what do they do in this conference tournament? And, of course, you have, you know, right now one of the most polarizing storylines in all the sport with Alabama. Don't sleep on Vandy here, Tums, Jerry, Stackhouse. So the SEC hasn't been as strong as we thought it might be, and I didn't even bring up Arkansas, but I do think that this conference tournament could produce some real flair. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Big it's East. The big, it's the Big East tournament. It's the Big East, yeah. It's the Big East tournament to me because I, if you look at what we're going to get from the quarterfinals on, you got UConn, Providence. You're most likely going to end up getting um, Villanova and Creighton, right? You could probably get, I think, a Xavier Seton Hall matchup with a bunch of Seton Hall fans showing up in a game they probably have to win if they want a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. That's going to be an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable quarterfinals. And then, you know, if the basketball gods are looking kindly down on us, we can get Marquette with one of UConn and Providence, ideally UConn, and then Xavier Creighton in the semifinals. Like, can you just just think about how awesome that is going to be? Think about how great that game is going to end up being. So to me, it's the Big East tournament. All right, give me it's one. Thing. That that's the mark of of that's why To that's the mark of teammates. We did we set you up there. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to take the obvious choice. We all yep. know. Oh yeah, the, oh, look, look, we we're trying know. to downplay the fact that this is a Big East podcast that sometimes talks about national college basketball. So we gotta we gotta pretend sometimes, right? And none of us. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying. None of us said the Big Ten. It's it's so mad. Whatever I don't like it. Just it it's. I don't I don't need to go on my anti Big Ten. I'd be curious. Just, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna drop in the audio from To back in the preseason when he said the Big Ten sucks, and I'm just gonna let him take his victory lap. Okay, that's what we're gonna do. We'll just replay that. Give me a team from somewhere in one of these tournaments, Fanta, that you think can make a run um, that people aren't really paying enough attention to. Hmm. You know, 
because of their overarching uh, guard play and explosiveness, and I think that they've they've fallen off the map. There's there's two teams. Number one for me, I, I like NC State's ability, and Ooh. I think if they, if they could get on a run, they're a team that could win the ACC tournament. You know, similar to just how Virginia Tech came out of nowhere to some people last year. NC State, to me, is that team uh, with Joiner. And and with that backcourt and with Smith, who's just a killer, they, they they are a team that's very difficult to stop. And I think they're the type of team to that day to day. Like sometimes a team's worst thing is that there's three or four days between their next game. Yeah. NC State's that team, they can just come back and hoop because they've got hoopers. So they're one for me. The other team that I'm intrigued to see this week, by virtue of the fact that they're they're going to be well coached, they've been really close, but they haven't broken through, and I, and they're fighting for their lives. And we all know a desperate dog can sometimes emerge. Is Oregon? Is Oregon? Um, I could see them making the Pac-12 final and have a shot, have a shot to win that thing, and and maybe Dana Altman captures some very late magic with this team still there. They've got talent. It's just, they've been one or two possessions away in a lot of these games. If you look at their last month. Tio. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on NC state for only matchup purposes, because if they win their first game, they play Clemson and Clemson is like the antithesis of everything that NC state is. And they've had trouble with them this year. So I, I don't think that's going to happen, but what I could see happening is guys, there's just, it could be like a 12 seed in the big 10 <laughs> because Purdue's like tried not really figured it out yet. And who's the 12 seed? Is it Wisconsin? I think Wisconsin's the 12. Yeah. Like those guys could get hot and defend and then bore you to death into a big 10 championship. Like I think that the most intriguing when it comes to that are all those bottom of the bracket teams in the big 10, because there's not a giant gap in between number two and number 12. So I, I think if you're looking for a league with the most, Upset potential, I, I think you you can go with the Big Ten, and I don't know which team in particular right now because I'm trying to find a brackets, can't freaking find them. But I, if I had to guess, the Big Ten has the team at the bottom that could make the run all the way to the top. Yeah, Wisconsin's the 12 seed. They would get Iowa in the second round. You got to win that, and then you get uh, Michigan State. Um, yeah, the so, quarterfinals. So, yeah, it's very doable. Penn State also is a team that would be interesting there. Um, I have I have three written down. One is Villanova for obvious reasons that we don't need to rehash. We've been over that enough. Two is Vanderbilt. They've been as hot as anybody in the country. Um, and Stacking coach the, uh, the big question is going to be the health of Liam Robbins. That guy can never seem to stay healthy, but he was a dominant five for the time that he was healthy. And What's he out yeah. for right now? Um, it's a, it's an ankle. There are four dude, seven foot, dude, seven footers and feet. Yeah. Like, oof. Yeah. Um, and then... Texas Tech, I, I'm I'm in on this Texas Tech team. Debbie oh, Hunt's a player. You Jaylen really? Tyson's, think? I think that uh, there is talent oh, there. There's talent there. There's players that have made runs, and I do think that. Um, so you got to take his dad out of the picture, and then his son's going to coach the team. And you think it's just going to magically change things? I, I don't know if Luke's going to be coaching that team. So the, they're going to play Kansas. They're not beating Kansas. We'll, we'll see. 
I can see Texas Tech making a run. Texas Tech is a, has top 25 talent on that roster. And I don't think that they were as bad as that 0-8 start. So um, I could see them making a run, and I could see them stealing an uh, automatic bid, which would be um, thrilling to watch. All right, which top three seed, right? Top three, top four seed. Which one of like the top 15 teams in the country do you guys think has the most to prove this week, Fanta? Hmm. I'll go first while you guys think about well, it. I, I'll I'm think say, go ahead. I'm going to say Indiana. Okay? Because, you know what? Well, we could talk about how the bottom of the Big Ten, this, that, the third. Like, just show your talent and go out and win this thing. Mm-hmm. Or, or be in the final. They're going to get either a Maryland or a bottom feeder in their first game. They should win that game. And then if they go on to advance. I'm pulling up the bracket here. The, the, the fact is they are in a position to win this Big Ten championship. Purdue's been up in the air. We talked about Indiana all year. Uh, I don't know what what transpired with them last week in getting blown out by Iowa. I don't know what the heck. T.O., is there such a thing? Are players tired of the regular season the last week of it? Yeah. Okay. So – they're going to play – guys, Indiana's going to f- play Maryland potentially, and then in the semifinals, they're probably going to play Northwestern or maybe maybe Penn State, Illinois. I mean, I, like, needless to say, make the championship game. If Indiana's not in the championship game of the Big Ten tournament, then then to me, you know, I, I, can't, I can't move the needle. I'm never going to be able to move the needle on that. One minute I think I know who they are, next minute I don't. So they're the team out of the top four that I think needs to make that conference championship game. And and big Indiana has never won the Big Ten tournament. Indiana has never won the Big Ten wow. tournament. Because the, the Big Ten tournament hasn't been around for that long, right? I think I mean, 25 years probably. What? They're, wow. Yeah. It hasn't been around that long. It started in, yeah, 1998, so 25 years. Exactly. Wow. Fanta. Good job. Um, I, think you went, I think you went the wrong team in Indiana, to be honest. I think it's Purdue that has the most to prove. Like, if you're, if you're a national title contender and you can't win this Big Ten tournament, then you're not a national title contender. Is that fair? I know weird things happen in this tournament play, but like, come on, man. Like, you're you're Purdue. You got the national player of the year. You're supposed to be this team that's supposed to be this juggernaut, and you got a league where Northwestern is the number two seed. Fucking go win it. Yep. T.O., go, go ahead. Uh, they split with Gonzaga during the season. I think St. Mary's, like, it's time for them to end somebody's wrong. And it, I think they can do it. Randy Bennett was that league's coach of the year for good reason. He's a hell of a coach, and they've got players to do it. And they thrive where – I'm not going to say Gonzaga struggles because that's not the right word. They don't struggle. But they thrive at the guard spot where Gonzaga's shown some kinks in the armor. So um, I, I think with Logan Johnson, Aiden Mahaney, like th- they could go and win and they could break up this streak. And if there's ever a conference, this bracket – I don't. I, you guys have seen the, this bracket for the – what is it? The West Coast Conference, like hilarious. It is the you best get a, bracket. You get, a, you get a triple buy for uh... – for the top two seeds, a double buy for seeds three and four, and a buy for seeds five and six. So if you're a seven through ten seed, you got to win five games. 
If you're one yeah. of the top two seeds, you got to win two. They did they they protect their top two seeds. And no, it's they not a joke. It. It's they not do a joke. It. It's ridiculous. But I think St. Mary's like it, it, it's your time now. Yep. Go ahead and grab one. Yep. All right, Fanta. Which team at the bottom of the bracket, like somewhere on the bubble, somewhere on the cut line, maybe a ten seed? Who has the most to prove at the bottom of the bracket this week? Who has the most on the line? Hmm. Now all of a sudden, it's Rockers. It's Rockers. Mm-hmm. They may miss the NCAA tournament. They're going to play Michigan here in this A nine game, and then they're going to play the team that you're talking about proving something. Purdue. Uh, the Scarlet Knights have really fallen off here over the last month, guys. I I thought like a month and a half ago that they were one of the best four teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> and now they they still, might, they still might be because everybody in the Big Ten stinks. Yeah, yeah. And now now they might make it. So look, they're an interesting one. You know, here's another one: is uh, Mississippi State. Chris Jan's team is is you know one minute they're last four in, the next they're first four out. They've been hovering sort of all over the place. So they've got to potentially prove something here uh, in the SEC tournament. And then, you know what? I'm going to go with T.O.'s Tigers. I mean, come on, Clemson. Come on. They're they're that team. They're a three seed here. You say that they match up quite well, T.O. You say that they should – will they beat NC State? Yeah, they will beat NC State. All right, so then they're going to meet Virginia or potentially Carolina. Yep. Well, that's Virginia. that's what I was going to say. Is that like it's it's that it's that part of the bracket in the ACC to me that that we're going to figure something out because I I don't think that you get all of North Carolina, Clemson, and NC State in the tournament. I think you get one of them, and if one of them comes out of that region and makes it to the the, the ACC tournament State's title in. game, they NC were State. they were on the cut line. They were the they were one of the the four playing teams, right? So I think that you probably want to beat Clemson if you are them. You lose to Clemson, some of these other teams on the bubble make a run. Like, you could find yourself on the wrong side of the bubble. Man, that happened a few years ago. I think it was in Charlotte. It was the exact same game. Like, the, mm-hmm. in Clemson and NC State, they both needed to win. I think NC State ended up winning, but they're, they they blamed the non-conference for not putting them in or something yep. like that. This was four or five years ago. but. Uh, no, I think the team with the most proof is Clemson. I mean, you, you got to win one. I think you win one. I think you'll be okay. I really do. Like, uh, here's the thing. I think I've ranted on this enough. Like, top eight teams in the ACC are good. The problem that you've run into is, is I've talked to some people around the conference here recently. Like, you got to figure out a way to soften up this non-conference in November and December because it's killing your reputation. It's killing your reputation oh, while you try to figure up. all this stuff. Don't huh? soften it up. Everybody's trying to figure it out. Don't soften it up. Play Just some soften games. it up. Well, here's the thing. Play it's conference play play conference games in November and December. So then I, while I you're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then at least when you're beating each other up, you're beating each other up as opposed to people out coming in and then beating you up then. Like I I, I you know, figure something else out with the schedule to where like you're at least fig- like you can play some of these non-con games in January where the coaches have figured out the rosters. But the pot- bottom three teams of that league have just crushed every- everybody else because mm-hmm. it just drags their metrics, kills them. They'll occasionally win one. Uh, guys, I said this at the beginning of the year. I was like, you're going to have some bad teams. Then what's going to happen is they're going to come and chip off some of these teams in the middle. It's going to kill them. By God, that's exactly exactly what happened, especially like Florida State, who started yeah. out the year two and nine, where they get seven conference wins. Just it crushes you. It crushes you. 
Yep. All right. If you can magically make one matchup happen this week, what would it be? I'll go first because this one, the, there's two that are very obvious, right? Actually, no, I'll let you guys go first because there's oh, two you. that are obvious to me. Go ahead, go ahead. Take it first. You never go first. All right. So there's, there's two. One is a Kansas, Kansas state, big 12 tournament title game in Kansas city, where you will have half of the crowd in blue, half of the crowd in purple and all of the crowd hammered going at each other at six o'clock tip off. That would be awesome. Unbelievable. Uh, the other one, Carolina, Duke ACC tournament title game where Duke uh, Carolina's NCAA tournament bid is basically on the line. That would be unbelievable feeder. If they get to the championship game, they're getting in. Yeah. Yeah. They probably are, but let's just say you beat, uh, they're getting in Fanta. They're getting in Fanta. Let's just, let's just, let's just have fun with it, man. Like just, just imagine that scenario. Imagine that scenario. It would be awesome. that, That one of the biggest misnomers about this week, the committee knows who they're putting in right now. Yeah. There's everybody, a lot of think, everybody thinks that, like, oh, my God, we could prove it. We could prove it. We could prove it. No. At this point, at this point, are you actually think that these people, these suits in Indianapolis are staying up till 4 or 5 a.m. to totally reshape their thought process? They got a good idea. Who no, they what they do is they they come up with all of these different hypotheticals, right? So it's like if this happens, this happens, and this happens, then this is what it's going to end up being. That's the way that it works. Give me give me your matchups, guys. Give me your matchups. Go ahead, Phantom. Well, um, I, I, I'll I'll say a couple here. I think that if we get a UConn Villanova. Big East Championship game. It's not out of the question that the Villanova could still capture the magic and and go on. And I mean, they got to go through Creighton, who they beat by a dozen two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then they got to go through potentially uh, Zach Fremantle as Xavier or, or or Seton Hall pulled off an upset. The point is that would be wild at the Garden if Villanova's fighting for its life, and UConn's on the other side. You'd have a, a ruckus crowd. That would be crazy. I'd also sign up for Creighton UConn just because of the history and 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 um, it would be a great game. That would be one. I want Indiana Purdue. I mean, Indiana Purdue in the Big Ten final would be outstanding. It'd be fun. Jackson Davis going for the Hoosiers' first Big Ten tournament title. Edie looking to win a conference tournament title. You just have you'd have rivaling fan bases there. It would be wild. Duke Carolina would be great. Um, you know, SEC on the opposite sides of the bracket. Like, I got to tell you, I give me Alabama, Kentucky for that championship. Man, that would be wild. And in, in Nashville, Brandon Miller and Na- just saying, uh, Brandon Miller's back home this week. Yeah, Miller's from the Nashville area. So, like, uh, Bama, Kentucky. If Cal gets hot, that's compelling theater, fellas. Yep. I like that one, the the Bama Kentucky. I do think Kentucky didn't they get throttled by like forty points or something like that down in Tuscaloosa, down in Tuscaloosa, 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 Tuscaloosa. (laughs) That was complete mistake. Uh, I think I don't think Duke Carolina is going to happen. But guys, I'll be honest, man. Like every game is going to be intriguing. I just hope some team doesn't. Here's the problem that you run into, especially when it comes to conference championship games. Like when you can't team, figure out all the brackets, I'm just yeah, kidding. I, could, I couldn't figure that that, e- that either. But like it, it could always happen in the ACC where a team that didn't get a buy makes like five makes the finals in five days just because just because 
and then they just get absolutely freaking throttled in the finals and it's so anticlimactic like i hope you know one of the top two of the top five teams in that league make it to the finals because then at least it'll be competitive but outside of that guys they're all going to be good go ahead phantom one mid-major final i really want tuesday night i would love to see 30 and 3 college of charleston meet hofstra who has won 12 in a row the CAA final could be nuts if it's the Cougars and the Pride. Because yeah. Charleston probably has to win the game. But if they lost to Hofstra, they would be 30 and four. 30 and four. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, Charleston Hofstra would be wild. Hofstra hasn't lost in close to two months. Yep. How about, my guy, how about my guys at Furman going back against Chattanooga in the finals? And Jake Stevens. And Jake Stevens. Besides, that's going to be a hell of a game. That's happening tonight, Monday night, seven p.m. Tip off. We'll see if uh, Bob Ritchie is celebrating or if Bob Ritchie is drowning his sorrows uh, after after this game tonight. So that'll be a fun one. Um, All right, listen. This has been the DCF podcast. So for John Fanta, for CZ Binance, make sure you go sign up and run your pool. Please just go sign up. It's going to be awesome. You can can challenge us. You can challenge us. Right. Next time we'll have a bracket. Next time gonna... we'll have a bracket. Next talk we're gonna have a bracket. So yeah, it's been the DTF podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you guys again next Sunday. Selection Sunday. Let's do it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.